you of course don't know this listening to this but you're coming in on a bunch of bad ideas about how to intro <laughs> this <laughs> this episode of Sermon Plus. This, lots of jokes, lots of this conversation's weird metaphors. been happening for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to spare you all that, and we're just going to get right back into Galatians. Nice. There you go. <laughs> the purpose of today is to uh, jump back into the discussion of Galatians. We've had a couple of weeks away from the letter, and so we thought it would be helpful to go back. Uh, get us back into the thinking of what's going on in the letter as uh, dealing with some gospel distortions going on. We've got some conflict between Paul and Peter. Hypocrisy is a theme, life in the spirit and walking, uh, keeping in step with the spirit of God is a theme. And so lots of things going on over Mm -hmm. those last few weeks. So I just thought it would be helpful to go back offer a recap, and uh, discuss some of those major themes. And by the way, if you're like, what? You're jipping me the opportunity to talk further about Sunday morning? I'm not going to spill the beans now, but don't worry. We're going to talk to you about what our plan is to discuss this last Sunday sermon at the end. So don't... Don't be all frustrated for the next, you know, however long. Good thing you jumped in there, because we didn't have a plan about that thing, and I was just about ready to let the proverbial cat out of the proverbial bag. Nope. All They're right. going to wait. All right, cool. All right. Well, you got to wait till the end or just, you know, hit pause and skip to the end or whatever you got to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll recap Galatians a little bit here. Um, first of all, you know, I, you know, sometimes as Christians, we just like, oh, it's, it's Galatians. It's a book of the Bible. And we just jump right in. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's really good. Just pause me like, all right, this is a letter that was written by the apostle to a group of churches. Mm-hmm that were struggling with a particular issue that was a serious issue, uh, the fact that the gospel can be compromised. Mm. I mean, just think about that for a second. The gospel is like the most wonderful news in all of the world, and God has so ordained it that it could be compromised. Mm. And so if it could happen in Galatia, it could happen in Dover, Smyrna, Middletown, Milford, wherever you know we live. And so this is relevant for us because we can hear the good news about Jesus and then begin to live it out and apply it in such a way that actually doesn't lead to salvation, but actually leads to condemnation. Mm. That actually can happen. It did happen in the first century, and it got written down for us in the book, in the book or the letter of Galatians. And so now it's here for us to you know, heed the warning and not fall into the same trap. And so I just think that is a good word for us to recognize what's actually happening in here. This is what this is what's going on. And so Paul was he actually says in chapter one, he's actually astonished, he's surprised, not pleasantly surprised by the way, mm-hmm. that they are so quickly moving away from the gospel. And he says, even if an angel from heaven would come and preach you something different that, you know, let him be accursed, let him be anathema. And so um, that was kind of the setup. And so what's happening to the gospel here? What What is the distortion? You know, we're reviewing here a little bit some of the sermons, and, and Dave preached a great sermon on gospel distortions. How is the gospel being distorted in Galatia? And it was being distorted not by things being taken away from it, but by adding to it. Right. It's kind of like if you thought of it, if you think of it as like a recipe or something, you know, you could ruin a recipe by leaving the salt out, or you could ruin a recipe by, you know, putting in garlic. <laughs> a, a recipe is never ruined by adding garlic, oh, okay, just to be go. very clear. All right. So anyway, um, so they were adding 
Jewish works of the law, right. which are um, Jewish identity markers. Um, they are Jewish rituals and traditions that were biblical. They're in the Bible. And basically it was saying, yes, you, you receive and give your allegiance to Jesus as the Messiah, and then you also must uh, participate and perform these mm. various, various Jewish uh, rituals and customs. Again, I'll, say, I'll repeat that we're biblical and sounds really good. Um, in order to really mark yourself out as part of the people of God, and even further than that, to have a sense that you are just and declared righteous before God. And so that was the distortion. It was a legalism distortion that was going on in Galatia. And so Paul says, like, hey, this is wrong, this is false, this is going to lead to condemnation, and then he spends a chapter or so, like, defending his gospel. Like, mm. hey, like, I, I have authority to be able to challenge this gospel that you guys are hearing because of the work of Jesus in my life, and I received it directly from him. And then when I went and checked with the Jerusalem apostles, we'd have two streams of gospel preaching going on, and when we converged, we found out that, hey, we actually were announcing the same gospel, and that gospel is that you are declared righteous before God and included in the people of God. This is the this is the part that really chafed some of the Jews. The Gentiles were included in the people of God, the promises of God, the privileges of God, all of that, not by their Jewishness, not by their customs of the law uh, that seemed biblical, and at one point were biblical, but by grace through faith, by the faithfulness of Jesus you preached, and by us entrusting our lives to him, you are then declared righteous and identified as part of the people of God. And so that all came to a head, um, like all that kind of theology and doctrine came to a head in an, in an encounter, in a confrontation really, between the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, where Peter was being influenced by some of these more Jewish-branded Christians to not fellowship, not identify with the Gentiles, with the non-Jewish, quote-unquote, Christians, and he separated from them. And so this issue was one of—it's not even so much theology at that point. It's kind of like sociology. It's kind of like practice. It's not even what Peter was believing if you if gave him a doctrinal test. It was like the actual test of real life. He withdrew from the Gentiles, and he kind of marked them off. Oh, they're, if they're Christians, they're second-class Christians. And he was betraying that, that freedom and identification in Christ and justification in Christ came by the Jewish laws, what he was saying by his actions— and Peter said, "You are acting hypocritically," and you know. And I'll give you, you know, turn it over here to Dave a little bit. You'll, you're, you're putting on a mask. You're acting in a way that's not who you really are in Christ. And so you're undermining justification. You're undermining grace, and you're acting like a hypocrite. And so that's you know. And you're giving into this legalism distortion of a gospel, and it's going to mm. lead to mm. going to lead to condemnation. If I were to ask you, listener. If I were to say, hey, so Pastor Mike just mentioned the issue here, which is amazing, you're right, Pastor, is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, his story, what he's doing, that that, that message can be compromised. And then I were to ask you, listener, how, what do you think it means for the gospel to be compromised? What would your answer be? Like, probably, uh, I'll answer for myself, you know, if I'm taking a total stand back, like mm -hmm. my initial nudge would be like, 
oh, somebody is saying the wrong thing. Exactly. You would think it'd be a verbal, theological right. problem. And here, which by the way, it's so funny, you know, in Corinthians, uh, Paul's talking about how people are following different leaders, and Apollos was getting some things wrong, and people actually took him aside and taught him, rather yeah. than like this public engagement of, no, 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 you're messing up, the, the mm-hmm. gospel's being compromised. Yeah. The, the content was something that they addressed on the side. Here, it's a conduct issue, mm. and Paul goes right to it, approach him to his face in front of everybody because it's leading, it, it wasn't content that was leading people astray, it was conduct. Gospel content is super important, obviously, but the whole point of gos- of the gospel is your life changes. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing that the compromise of the gospel is primarily in scripture seen in how we live. You mentioned the words here, you know, how the Jews were participating and performing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you think about the, the actual gospel, like how do you know that people are living in accordance with the gospel? It really comes down to, in many ways, how we interact with one another. That's James too. Exactly. Well, he even talks about partiality here in Galatians. Mm-hmm. And so what's amazing with this hypocrisy thing is that we were just talking a little bit before this about kind of two of the primary examples of hypocrisy in scripture. One, which is what we primarily think of, is kind of how what Jesus did to these religious leaders. Mm. You know, these people that he says, your hearts are far from me. Like, you know, your, your outside is kind of like clean, but your insides are dirty and stained and filthy. And the whole implication, by the way, with Jesus' interactions with these religious leaders is that they are not following him. Mm-hmm. They do not belong to him. In other words, you know, and I'm always cautious with these types of statements, but the implication is they're not Christians. Right. They're not saved. And Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned in our little discussion before this, Pastor Mike, which was really good, Paul in his letter says that Peter and these Jews who are following him and are led astray by his hypocrisy are acting like hypocrites. Mm-hmm. And so the identity portion of hypocrisy is super important for us to think here. There are two basic areas, and then we can kind of talk about this and help people think through this and how they should even process their own hypocrisy or acting like a hypocrite. One, hypocrisy is when you are not a Christian, but you are putting on the mask of being a Christian. Right. And that is certainly leads people astray. Yep. Jesus was very concerned with that. Mm-hmm. You blind uh, guides, he calls mm-hmm. the, these religious hypocrites. Then you have uh, the form of hypocrisy where your identity is you are a Christian, mm-hmm. but you are acting like something else. You're acting like mm-hmm. a hypocrite. You're putting on the mask of the old self. You're not living in the freedom that Christ has called you to. You're falling back into, you know, wrong believing or wrong trusting or wrong acting or wrong interacting, wrong mm-hmm. perform whatever it may be. And so I think for us, it's like you you automatically think of a hypocrite today, like of somebody who is professing to be a Christian and they're not. Mm-hmm. You kind of just look and you're like, you're, you know, that person's a hypocrite. This is why I don't go to church, or this is why I don't believe in Jesus, or this is why I don't hang out with that person. They're a hypocrite. Whereas the, the most common, I think, way that we should be perceiving hypocrisy in the church is that we look at people who are wrestling with sin, and our first instinct is to go, no, you're a brother or sister in Christ. You're a Christian, and you are falling back into being enslaved to sin. Mm-hmm. And Paul's encouragement, by the way, and the example he gives with Peter 
is that you go try to win that brother or sister back. Right. That's Galatians 6. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think we're prone to be like, well, I can't have anything to do with that. Now, there's the warning, like, you know, be careful as you do it, lest you're too, you're tempted as well and you're led sure. astray. Mm-hmm. But that is a refreshing approach to go, man, I, I, if, I, if I'm looking around and people that, you know, I would in my heart be too quick to judge as a hypocrite and then kind of put up the stiff arm the challenge, the encouragement is to go to your brother or sister who is in Christ and seek to win them back so that they can flourish so that the gospel, and this is the whole point, so mm-hmm. that the gospel would not be compromised. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, you know, the the compromising of the gospel, um, can, you know, there's a lot of conversation like when you're preaching the gospel uh, positively, like preach it verbally, but also live it out, mm-hmm. you know, like both of those things. And I think... The same thing on the flip side; it can be compromised in either way. You know, in, in your, the beginning of your comments, you were talking about that. Like, is it primarily a verbal thing, or is it primarily a, a conduct thing? And again, I, you know, we, we joke around here a lot. It's not a competition. <laughs> like you, you comes out of Dan's mouth pretty regularly. Yeah, you can you can definitely compromise the gospel in either one of those For ways. Sure. But I think, you know, just kind of like emphasizing, putting a kind of an, an exclamation point of what you're saying there, like, I think we tend to undervalue how much the conduct aspect of uh, our lives could be, in a sense, betraying or undermining the gospel. And that kind of goes actually a little bit with what Alex was saying uh, Sunday in his sermon about bearing yeah. God's name. A lot you of know, connections. The, the, there's a lot of connections there. I mean, he, he brought the, the idea of hypocrisy in his sermon as well. So there's definitely some connection there. But certainly one of the concerns, one of the major concerns in this letter and the ways that the gospel can be compromised is that Christian conduct is um, undermining the gospel. And here it's interesting. It's, it's exclusionary. Mm. It's like... Um, you know, we, we feel superior to other people for some fleshly, earthly reason. And so it leads us to treat others, treat them as the other. And so this would, you know, and this is where he's going to get later in chapter 3 and in verse 27. You know, he's going to talk about, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female, there's, you know, slave or free. He's like breaking all of these categories. Right. The, the, the good news of Jesus is that everybody is enslaved in the same ways, and everybody is liberated in the same ways. Yeah. And so there ought to be, and this word can be you know, overused, and I don't mean to be dramatic about it, but there ought to be kind of a radical kind of like inclusion inside the church. Yeah. And so I, I, wanna, I always want to say that carefully in this day and age, because the, the inclusive word is, you know, can, you know, we can think of that as a compromise where, where you know, the church is, in a sense, letting everybody in irrespective of whether or not they've actually given their allegiance to Jesus. Yeah. So just to be clear, I'm not yes. saying that. But once folks have, in a sense, given their allegiance to Jesus, they have placed their faith in him, we are now one in Christ. And so, you know, this is why, you know, issues of racism are so heinous, not because it's culturally, it's the cultural mood it's because that's the kingdom of God. Right. <laughs> you right. know, Jesus is purchased. And so whenever you see, it's interesting here, justification, which is this huge doctrine of the Reformation. Again, the, the, the Reformation of the church was built on the doctrine of justification. And when in the application of it, like, well, how is Paul applying this beautiful, powerful doctrine of being justified by free grace? He's saying it makes you welcome 
all of your brothers and sisters into the body of Christ. Yes. And if you were to go to Romans, again, a massive passage where um, justification is you know, enumerated, the first way that Paul applies it in Romans is he, he then says, is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not also God of the Gentiles? And so there's this, you know, and again, it pushes on, it, like, man, it pushes on me. Like, I'm not just, you know, sitting in this chair thinking, I, I certainly have not mastered the application of ju- justification by grace through faith alone. No way. But like, I want to I be on the trajectory. Sure. I want to be on the trajectory of rich or poor, young or old, male or female, you know, whatever the ethnicity of the person is. I'm like, you're in Christ. That's my that's my keyhole, you know. And Paul says that in Second Corinthians five. And so I think there's a really relevant, powerful message of the gospel for us when when there's so many people in, in our towns and villages and streets here in Delaware that are looking for belonging. Where are they going to find it? They, God willing, they can find it here because we're a community that understands ourselves that we've been welcomed by free grace into God's family, and so we want to welcome any and all who will receive that free grace as well. Yeah, to build on that a little bit, what is it that makes that so difficult? Earlier you were saying, you know, the big issue here is not really um, admitting that, you know, the Gentiles could be right before God, but really it's that they're included in the people of God. Yeah. You you already mentioned Mm -hmm. that, and then... You know, even as we try to think through that, it's not as though the righteousness of God is like this, you know, zero-sum game of like, well, if you get in, then I can't. <laughs> you know, it's like it's good news for all people. Why Why is it always been the case, seemingly, that the people who are identified as the people of God have such a problem <laughs> with other people also being the people of God? Even though that doesn't threaten them being the people of God, you, you know. I, I mean, it it sounds obviously very illogical when yeah. we say it that way. Um, it's just pride. so. What is it? You it's know, just pride. It's we. I mean, I, I, I I'm pretty sure you guys feel this way at different times of your lives. I mean, the amazing thing about this hypocrisy conversation is that it, we all act like hypocrites, and. The whole thing here, it's like, why? Well, yeah, why would I care? Like, why would it upset me that somebody else is belonging to the to King Jesus and adopting the family of God? Well, because I want to be better than them. <laughs> like, I I want I want people to think I'm more holy, more deserving, more worthy, more loved. And, and back to your point, you could ask the same question again. Well, why? Mm-hmm. It's like exactly why? Why? Why, David? Why do you feel that way? That is how real the sin nature is that we live in. Mm-hmm. That's how hard life is. And what's amazing about this is we've made this such this competitive religious thing. That's, by the way, what the religious leaders and Peter were, and the other Jews were doing here. Mm-hmm. Paul says, and I love this, and this is why how we view hypocrisy is so important. In Galatians 6, 1 and 2, Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. Here's your job. When you see somebody struggling with sin who is a brother or sister in Christ, your job is to help restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. There's obviously a warning. Keep watching yourself lest you too be tempted. And then it says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Loving God, loving people. Mm. Here's Here's what's super interesting about this. 
bearing one of the one of those burdens. We we had a responsive reading, or a, I guess a, a reading this last Sunday on battles before mm-hmm. we sang a song declaring that God's already won. And there was an affirmation, second slide of that reading that you know we all have these battles. You know, it could be finances, it, it could be struggles, our past, hurt, pain, whatever it may be, relationships, and Jesus enters into that and He sympathizes with us in our weakness and He cares and He loves us. And certainly, I think that this passage would be referring to those things as well. I'm, I'm bearing your burdens of, you know, can I help you make a payment on something? Can I come be a good friend and listen? But the next slide was quick to get to. What are the, what are the battles, primary battles that Jesus has won for us? Sin, Satan, and death. They were all capitalized, by the way. That's the thing. So great. <laughs> so here, what, what are people's biggest burdens in this life? Like truly. Is it not fighting against sin? Mm. What's a bigger burden? Is is your $100,000 in debt, foreclosure on home, you're going to lose your job, is that a bigger burden than a lingering sin for 10 years that you can't seem to overcome? What's the bigger burden there? Mm. The bigger burden is dealing with sin. And as Christians, we're pretty good at helping people get out of those other burdens. And then we jump into this hypocrisy, I'm better than you, stiff arm lane when it comes with dealing with the actual burdens that plague people, that keep them from living in the freedom of Christ, this gospel conduct. And so, you know, I, I just want to encourage us and even I feel, I feel encouraged by the Spirit right now. My primary business as a believer is to help my brothers and sisters defeat sin. And I cannot do that if I am going to judge their sin and think that I'm different mm. or elevate myself, I can't do that with concealing sin. I can't do, you know, that's, that's a huge part of, you know, confessing your sins to one another, James says. So uh, the hypocrisy thing I think is really, really important that we understand if people are in Christ, they're primarily Christians. And sometimes we all act like hypocrites. And in a spirit of love and gentleness, we ought to seek to help bear those burdens of sin rather than going into this puffed up, I'm better than you, I'm more deserving than you, I'm more worthy. And then we kind of... Yeah, and I I think it connects to the earlier point you were talking about, you know, if you kind of trace this emphasis on knowledge and being right far enough, well then, you know, what's most important that I'm right? And therefore, hypocrisy is everyone who says wrong things mm-hmm. therefore well they're wrong and i'm right when as you know you talked about in chapter six even back in chapter five you know faith working through love right love is the goal and so if love is the goal then hypocrisy is acting unloving mm. right and it gets us to a different spot not wow. i'm right you're wrong but you are somebody to bear the burdens with or wow. or to love so yeah, to answer my answer to your question, um, you know, why do people care and why do why do we have a hard time like being open hearted? I agree with Dave one hundred percent. I think it's pride, and I think the form of that pride is like we have a hard time actually. It was actually in this re, that reading that battles reading as well. We are ever learning what it means that Jesus won that battle for us. Right. I think we still have a hard time, like. Free grace is is the ultimate death knell to human pride. Whew. 
you you know even again i jesus is so gracious he allows us to be in christ even though we haven't fully grasped that it's a free gift it's like you have people who are like they would die on a hill that it's by free grace and yet there it's there can be a really subtle thing here where you think you're saved and justified because you believe the right thing mm. as opposed to you're saved and justified because of what Jesus actually did for you. Right. There's a there's a difference between believing in justification by grace through faith and believing on the name of the Lord. And so this will get us into the experience of the Holy Spirit here in a second. But I, I think for a lot of us listening to this, I think you should just be open to the fact that maybe grace hasn't worked its way deep enough and full enough in you. Maybe there is still some, you're still trusting the fact that you're a good dad or that you're a good husband or that, you know, like I said, you have the right doctrine. These are some of these other ways that we, we put our faith in human effort somehow, some way, and it can be pretty subtle sometimes. And I don't mean that to make that you go in like a witch hut introspective. You don't want to do that, but you do have to be careful. You do have to be aware. And it's the, it's no accident that in letter after letter after letter in the New Testament, Paul keeps calling all these churches and all the errors that they're making back to Jesus, back to the centrality of the gospel. Dave and I both preached through Corinthians a couple of years ago. It's like every issue that came up in Corinth, yeah. Back to Jesus. Yep. Back to Jesus. Yep. Galatians, it's interesting. He goes right back to the gospel here. He doesn't go somewhere else. You know what I mean? He goes right back to there. And it's like letter after letter after letter, it's going back to this experienced reality of Christ crucified, risen, promised return, and working that deeper into the fabric. And what that's doing is it's ridding you of your pride. Like, I'm proud because of this, or I'm proud because of that, or I build my identity, which is a big word these days, on other things. The reason we would feel exclusionary in the wrong ways is because we would have our identity attached to some human accomplishment or identity and not solely on Jesus Christ. That would be my answer as to why we struggle uh, to be open-hearted when we ought to be for those, again, in Christ. And, and you want to build your kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I'm so happy you mentioned love. Why? I mean, why else are we exclusionary? Why did Peter go to the to eat with the up to, up high Jews rather and walk away from the Gentiles? He thought the Jews could do more for him. Mm. His his status, you know, his wealth, his affluence, whatever it may be. That's why people show partiality. We're are we're prone to be more patient and loving to people who can do stuff for us. Mm. And that's the whole warning. That, that Jesus gives over and over. That's what you see in James chapter two. That's what you see in, in Galatians chapter one. Mm-hmm. Partiality is literally unloving. Yep. And so what does Paul say in chapter five? Basically, he basically says the only thing that matters is faith working through love. Mm-hmm. And you're not seeking your benefit. You're actually, the whole Christian life of freedom is seeking the good of others. That is the law of Christ, bearing one another's, loving one another as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. To go back to the Pharisees, who Jesus calls hypocrites, not just saying they acted hypocritical. Mm-hmm. It's not as though they were running around doing a bunch of good works, but just had some some bad thought behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, they were not doing good works, even though they had good. You know, they were unloving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the uh, you know you you talk about this love, love you know loving people there is great. And just a transition, I wanted to spend a couple of minutes before we sign off here today on the experience of the mm. Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because what fuels that love for others 
And that can be kind of an exhausting mm-hmm. thought, you know, where I'm just going to like bear other people's burdens. I'm going to try to help other people get restored. I'm going to, you know, so first of all, you know, we don't want to do that from a position of pride and condescension. Like I have something that they have, you know right. what I mean? So what, what, what solves that pride problem? It's that, um, Christ lives in me. That's the deal. And then that also, that also solves the exhaustion problem. Yes. Because Paul regularly yep. is living... Over and over. Over and over. Here's how I live. I live by the faithfulness of Jesus to me. Yeah. I believe that he loved me and he gave himself for me. I'm living on the love of Jesus. Mm. That's the gas in my tank. Wow. And so, you know, that song, Holy Love, love is written in our blood. Yeah. It, the, you know, like it's a strong metaphor, like the, the blood, so to speak, that runs through my veins is the love of God for me in Christ. And again, I think sometimes we're just, we struggle to be convinced that God actually is loving us or we just don't really pay attention to it. And I get it. Like I'm there right. myself. Like right. it's so easy to get up and start going through your day and not like existentially experientially know that God loves me in Christ. Mm. But when that happens, it's like, it is like the, the freedom of like, Oh, I don't have to have this thing. I don't have to think of myself as better than somebody else. C.S. Lewis has a great quote about pride, by the way, I've used it before. You don't care if you're rich. You just care if you're richer than mm. the next guy. You don't care if you're beautiful. You just care that you're more beautiful than the next guy. <laughs> so most people don't enjoy their riches or their wealth or their beauty or the things that they have because they feel like someone else has got a little bit better. Competition. And the com- whole competition. Exactly. Thing. And so, but like the love of God, oh, I can finally, I can let go. Yeah. And so the thing that prevents pride and that prevents exhaustion in the Christian life, in this kingdom life that we're in now, is the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so what a good news for you to hear today, for me to hear today, is that, brother and sister, listening to this, in Christ Jesus, he gave himself for you. Mm. And he's continuing with you, and he loves you, and he's sustaining you. And so in that freedom, now you get you know, to humbly serve and continually serve. And so how does that love um, get applied how do you feel the love of Jesus? The answer to that is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus. Julie and I have been listening to this song, Thank You for the Blood Applied. Mm-hmm. There's a great book by John Murray written, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Jesus did all of the stuff to get redemption done. And then how do you get at it? <laughs> how do I get access to the riches that Christ accomplished? He gives you the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit produces huh, love and joy peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all the things, the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts so that you can serve. And so the the application, the applying of what Jesus has accomplished is done through the Holy Spirit, which is why Paul appeals to them and says, hey, don't you guys remember? You received the Holy Spirit. Like you have experienced the very Spirit of Jesus in your heart of hearts. And so don't go back to the law, your self-identity, your good doctrine, uh, your Jewish identity or your Gentile identity, your riches. None of that can give you the Spirit. 
You can't buy the Spirit. You can't get the Spirit by your birthright. You can only get the Spirit through grace, by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, I that's what we're we're eager for and jealous for here at New City is that we would be a church that deeply and consistently experiences the Spirit of Jesus, our faith in Him, then gets worked out through the gift of the Spirit in loving participation and fellowship with each Praise other. God. So, It's going to be a... Uh, there's a lot of parallels with what we just talked about today mm-hmm. and actually what Alex spoke about on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be neat. So we have a little bit of a special uh, edition this week, a little Sermon Plus Plus. So if you're listening to this, and like we mentioned in the beginning, and you're really interested in talking about why Alex Kirk thinks that the third commandment is the second commandment. There you go. <laughs> We're definitely going to ask him that. We get to have that conversation. Um, we get to talk about, you know, bearing the brand mm-hmm. of Jesus in this world. Really, really uh, some, mm-hmm. some neat things that we'll get to talk about this coming Thursday. That episode will drop Thursday. Yep. So stay tuned. Great. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. And yeah, keep an eye out there Thursday. We're looking forward to that follow-up conversation and uh, looking forward to getting back into Galatians this Sunday.